Welcome back to the fourth episode of Adopted, a podcast made by Asian adoptees for Asian adoptees. We're joined today by our special guests, Laura and Mel. Hi, I'm Laura. I was adopted from Hunan, China, and now I live in Toronto, Ontario. And I'm Mel. I was adopted from Wuhan, China, and I live in San Antonio, Texas now. So today we will be discussing whether or not we're learning our birth languages and the struggles that we've encountered if we are. So the first question that we're going to start off with is, have you experienced judgment from people of your ethnicity who don't understand why you cannot speak or understand your language? Uh, Mel, you can go first if you want. Um, I unfortunately have experienced some awkward situations regarding that um, before the pandemic hit I worked at a restaurant and I served and when I would get um you know tables who were all Asian they would get super excited when they saw me would ask um you know what nationality I was where I was born if I spoke Mandarin and when I said no they would always give me this look of like pure disappointment and they would ask me why and when I explained that I was adopted and my parents are white and I just never picked it up it would get super awkward. Like I could tell they they were very upset about it, I guess. So I mean, I've experienced situations like that before. Mm, interesting. Uh, I feel like for me, I've definitely had a similar experiences. But also I've, <laughs> I feel like where I grew up, I've been judged by non Chinese people as well. Uh, so the first half with other Chinese people, um, usually I don't, I don't think I've ever told like another Chinese person who I don't know that I was adopted. It usually just, um, when I was in high school, I used to work at a grocery store and I had a customer talk to me similar to your situation, Mel, and, uh, certain customers would ask me, Oh, like where you're from and yada, yada, yada. So I would just say, I'm from China. I was born there. And then they would say things like, Oh, like, you were born in China, but can't speak Chinese. And then I, I, again, I don't really tell strangers that I'm adopted. So they just, you know, they judge me as well. Or they, like I had one customer just make this exaggerated noise. He, uh, he was kind of just like, you were born in China and can't speak Chinese. <sighs> he literally just kind of like did this little mini screen in the, in the, in the store I was working in. And I kind of just stood there and just was like, okay, uh, <laughs> I'm finished scanning your groceries. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) but um in terms of non-chinese people where i where i was raised it it has a heavy uh chinese community and one of the other jobs i had worked before um it it was it was like involved children so a lot of their parents or their grandparents would come to like pick them up or interact with them Uh, sorry this is like another thing and um it, it was like expected by their families or at least with the elder generation that you could speak it so it wasn't even a question it was more just an assumption so they would just start speaking mandarin uh or cantonese to you and you know i would just kind of (laughs) say sorry i can't like I, i i can't help you um and then my coworkers, um who weren't chinese a lot of them or some of them would also kind of subtly try to see if I understood the language too like oh, they were pretty respectful about it in terms of um like not directly saying hey Laura like why can't you speak Chinese but I had like there was one person who uh at like a co-workers event 
or like a, an employee event, they had asked me like, like don't, don't do your parents teach you? And I was just like, no, my parents don't speak Chinese. And then they asked, well, what about your grandparents? Just going down the line, expecting me to be able to speak, especially in this you know job position where the community I was in was so, it was so uh, like a Chinese that speaking the language just, it was um, definitely something that would have come in handy. And it kind of just made me feel like I'm disappointing everyone. Like you should be able to, people are expecting me to. And like, unfortunately I just can't help in these different scenarios, especially when you're working with kids and there's certain information you have, you have to, for safety reasons, relate to their families, but you can't. So you, you kind of just have to deal with it or you, you type things out into Google translate and print it out and like put it on the table for them to read. I can definitely um, understand that. I feel like when you have to divulge like the language portion, like it's kind of like a coming out of its own, you know, like you have to expose that you're adopted to these people. Um, if Even if you don't want to, because they'll just keep pushing until they find, you know, whatever is the thing that made you not want to connect with that culture to the level that they feel is appropriate, you know? Yeah. It just makes me sad when I feel like people take it personally that I didn't learn it or I don't know it. Um, because I don't think it reflects my pride in my culture because I'm very proud to be Chinese and I love being a Chinese American. And I just wish that me not knowing Mandarin didn't look poorly on my part in that aspect. Yeah. So have you guys tried or are you currently trying to learn your language? I definitely am um, right now. With- oh, right, because you have your YouTube channel, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, I just, I put out a couple of mini videos of just ways that I'm trying to learn Mandarin at the moment. Um, I just, I've been trying for a really long time and it was just such an on and off process that nothing was retaining long-term. It would just be like, kind of like in school where you study so much and then you take the test and then you forget all of the material. That's kind mm-hmm. of how it's been for me for a while. But um, right now, I feel like every time I, I start trying again, I, I learn in increments. So like random stuff sticks for in the long long term. And then other stuff, like, again, it just depends on how consistent I am with it. So um, I would say reading for me right now, like reading the characters has been the easiest just because hearing people speak Mandarin and to understand it is difficult because they speak really fast and then it's also like paying attention to the grammar like the grammar structure uh while like you can't see like the words um it's kind of like french you know, like in canada we learned french in schools um it was very similar like i can't or it was more challenging for me to hear french and understand it than it was for me to do the 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 reading exercises where you like translate different stories or or, or other those kind of exercises. I also find, um, to add on to that, what's difficult is also hearing the different tones. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, they're, speak- they're speaking very fast. And also, even if they were speaking slower, it's just hard for, because I didn't grow up listening for those tones. And so it's harder for me to recognize them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. As far as I understand, I don't think Chinese or Mandarin has the same conjugations that French does. So I'm kind of thankful about that oh <laughs> yeah oh my god how about you mel um i actually am not looking to learn mandarin um 
So I took Spanish for a lot of years. I think it was like six or seven throughout school. And I aced all the classes. And I'm even like living in San Antonio. I'm surrounded by the language. Um, my ex's family only spoke Spanish. And I went to Mexico with them a lot and everything. And I just can't pick it up. And actually listening to Laura, I think it's because I'm a visual learner. So when she was talking about it was easier to read and write than to um, pick it up like orally. I totally felt that because like I said in my Spanish classes, I did fine. But when it comes to conversation, I just couldn't grasp it. And based on the fact that I couldn't even get down Spanish, I tried to pull up Duolingo and try to get into Mandarin, but I just could not get it. So I kind of stopped and I'm not really in a place that supports um, the language or even my culture, unfortunately. Like we don't have a Chinatown here. Um, growing up, I was in the military and I moved around a lot. And in those places, the only place that had like an Asian influence was Hawaii. Everywhere else was very, um, like we saw diversity. It wasn't all Caucasians, but there was definitely like an absence of Asian culture. Uh, okay. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because growing up for me when I was really young, the Chinese language, any any kind of dialect or, or any like part of Chinese culture really, really um, was kind of made fun of by a lot of people. So the mm. language itself, uh, one of the experiences I had as a kid, um, like this group of guys, they saw me, they saw that I was, you know, Chinese and or they assumed like, you know how like all Asians look the same, yada yada. <laughs> and they pinpointed me as Chinese and they got it right. <laughs> but um, they would mock, you know, the language, you know, do the whole ching chong thing. And mm-hmm. like as a kid, when you're, especially a, like when you're adopted into like a transracial family, uh, I, for me at least, I didn't grow up understanding those like racial differences in people or um it was like more challenging for me to see like like white asian or not not like white asian black etc because those are more like i guess obvious but ethnicity wise like ethnicity breakdown i really had no idea what people were were talking about and those stereotypes they just didn't grow up um like in a family that really promoted those kind of stereotypes so like when people were making fun of the Chinese culture, including the language, it, it almost kind of it discouraged me from wanting to be a part of it because it was like, why would I want to associate myself with something that apparently everyone else thinks is really like mar- like marginalized and just not, I guess, quote unquote, cool. Like, why would I want to like not fit in even more than I already don't fit in when people are making fun of the language? like from like of the country that I'm from you know and uh, at this time I was probably around 10 years old so you know you you, for me again it was just like I wanted to fit in with people and if people are making fun of Chinese and you know doing the ching chong thing it's like why would I even want to learn that language right I can definitely relate to that because that exact situation happened to me in high school. I still remember it as if it was yesterday. I was walking out of the cafeteria and these group of guys pulled their eyes and mm-hmm. yelled ching chong ching at me. And I just remember it was super awkward. And um, unfortunately, it's still around today. I was actually observing in a fourth grade class about a couple months ago. And this one boy kept shouting out numerous times, I can speak Chinese, ching chong, um, throughout the class. So unfortunately, it's still around today and it still happens. Mm-hmm. And I do agree with you that I think it discourages us from 
wanting to embrace our culture and learn because we're getting made fun of as it is Mm -hmm. like doing so just feels like you're encouraging them I guess which it shouldn't be that way I definitely don't agree with it but that's sometimes how it feels yeah for sure I'm sorry that that has happened we've all had those like experiences when each one of them are just so horrible we should just I don't know I don't understand why people need to be so judgmental and rude about you know just who people are it's just a shame yeah because I know for me it and like you guys you said as well you shouldn't feel shame in wanting to connect with your culture especially since we're toting that line as being adoptees of trying to find our place in the world between you know the cultures that we are adopted into as well as the cultures um of our birth mm-hmm. we're already struggling that you know precarious line and just struggling with those identity issues let alone the ones imposed on us by the general public yeah and I'm, I'm very honored to be on this podcast speaking because i do think a lot of the hatred and uh, inappropriate comments are due to ignorance so i do believe that spreading awareness and education will help in the long run um the more people you can reach and open their eyes like the less this will happen in the world mm-hmm. oh, i'm so glad you guys have come on to our little podcast <laughs> <laughs> I also hope that people who have experienced racism as a child, they don't feel like alone about it. Mm-hmm. And it, um, at the same time, they also, for me, I didn't, I, I, I experienced like the Ching Chong. There was also like a phase where people would uh, hold up their middle or their pinky finger and they say, meet me in China. I don't know if people Whoa, did that. that one before. What? No. Oh my gosh. Oh, well, basically I was just told, um, oh, Chinese people are dumb and they think that like, your pinky is your middle finger. What? I've never heard of that. I've heard that before. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, like people would do their pinky at me and do that, but like never like the meet me in China. That's so like, <laughs> I don't know why that just seems so much more aggressive with that like voice. I know. And I just, I was pretty young, so I didn't really understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. So I think that was, that was probably a good thing. Yeah. But I was, I was kind of, I was confused by it. Yeah. That's such yeah. a strange and then I remember um, one time there was this one kid. He, uh, he he had some issues, but I think he called me a flat face, and I had no idea what that meant. So I went home to my dad, and I was like, "What's a flat face?" And then he got really mad because it's a it's a racist term, obviously. He's gonna like call the school and get this kid like suspended or something because that that was yeah. Mm. But yeah, yeah. I guess for me, I was kind of lucky that I was a bit naive to what was going on. Mm-hmm. But looking back, I'm like, I realized kind of how messed up it was that little people my age are saying things like that. Right. Yeah. And that's the really sad part, because when you see kids saying that stuff, you know they've had to hear it from someone else. And oh, yeah. at that age, exactly. it's most likely from home. And that's the really, really sad part about it. Yeah, for sure. So I'm going to bring the conversation back to language <laughs> because we can do a whole nother episode on just racism. Absolutely. So, um, so people who are learning Chinese or another language, what were some struggles um, that you've experienced? So, so for me, as I said, the tones, the four tones in Mandarin, cannot hear them i i understand you know you're supposed to go down you're supposed, supposed to go like down a little bit and then go up but mm-hmm. i just i just can't wrap my mind around it if that makes sense like my tongue just doesn't listen mm-hmm. yeah yeah that makes sense 
For me, I'm so I actually studied um, Chinese in college and a little in high school. I ended up minoring in um, Chinese area language studies. It was very so we learned about like culture as well as um, the language. It was just hard. Um, I think the biggest struggle for me is just not having you know that immersion, which they always say you know if you want to learn a language, you gotta live in the country for a while. Just throw yourself in there, full send. Um, and you know, that's kind of hard to get in the middle of Connecticut, even with Yale so close. And, you know, we have a, you know, relatively wide, um, population of people from China and just Asian Americans in general, still not having those like full people to practice with consistently just really made it difficult. Um, one of my classmates ended up studying in China for even, I think just a summer, um, his Mandarin was significantly better than ours and then some other students they were also Chinese um but they were able to practice at home with their families um and I was just you know little Amy trying her best to study in the quad (laughs) (laughs) so that was definitely just the biggest struggle that I encountered just practice 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 and you know I did have one friend who was Chinese and I she would help me um she, she was actually she moved here from China um but every time we talked, she would do this thing. And it was adorable. Like, I mean this with love. But I would say something and she would go, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. <laughs> You're like, no, shoot. Like, what did I do wrong? She's like, no, no, it was fine. I knew what you were saying. I'm like, no, <laughs> but, but why are you laughing at me? Yeah. <laughs> so those are my struggles, trying to learn Chinese. And, you know, now that I'm not practicing it as much as I used to in college, it's just slowly slipping away. <laughs> All I can do is try to watch Taiwanese dramas to kind of keep hearing it in my ear. Yeah. Yes, that's what I do. Because I'm like, this is how I rationalize watching Chinese dramas because I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like hearing the language. So it'll kind of help me to pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, one of the challenges, uh, I would also agree with Maya. Um, I've had difficulty under, uh, comprehending the tones or I, I understand the concept of the tones. I think just hearing people say them in real life is so different than when you study it like through a youtube video or one of those like free like learned mandarin courses online Um, Mm -hmm. because in the in the lessons when it's more like an educational resource they obviously i think at least exaggerate it more so it's Mm -hmm. obvious you can hear the difference but when you're hearing people um in like in real life, say the word, it, everything kind of just starts sounding the same because they're so used to, you know, obviously they're speaking the language. So it's very fast. Mm-hmm. And then it's also a bit more t- difficult to hear those tonal differences. And then even mm-hmm. pronounce, pronounce the the tones as well. Um, <laughs> I think uh, speaking Mandarin is probably the weakest uh, part of the language for me. Um, like I feel like I could understand it better than I can speak it because it's just so it just fluctuates so much more than English <laughs> I mean yeah there are definitely similarities and uh, ways that people try to um, like give examples as to how similar English tones can be to like Chinese tones um, mm-hmm. just in like colloquial language and whatnot but it, it's still a little bit difficult and then you have to get over the embarrassing part of saying it really <laughs> like embarrassingly <laughs> Yeah. Have you ever heard the song um uh Yeah. <laughs> that with the line where he says like I I want to eat dumplings and he's like why are you sleepy? It's daytime or something. Like that is <laughs> like 
that is so like summarizing of like trying to get the tones correct in my opinion oh yeah yeah even even stories where Chinese people talk about other Chinese people saying the words incorrectly it's like wow Mm -hmm. native speakers are doing it wrong too I feel like it's a lost cause totally understand I think a huge challenge also with trying to learn a new language is the classes or courses they teach you formal yes conversation they don't Mm -hmm. teach you slang or casual conversation so Mm -hmm. you can say really formal things or ask really formal things like where is the bathroom but they don't teach you to say stuff like hey what's up do you want to hang out later yeah (laughs) yeah um i agree with that because i learned french in school um and so one of my friends in university is from um montreal and just for fun, because he knows that I speak some French, he'll just speak Quebecois French to me, but he'll also use slang, and I have no idea what the slang means, so I'll just, like, smile and nod. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, kind of like we were saying about resources, or just, like, learning from, I guess, some, you guys mentioned, like, Taiwanese dramas. Um, I think that's probably helpful like that is helpful I've done that too where you hear people speak a, a slightly more casually because it's uh like dialogue and conversation as opposed to the formal like let's learn let's learn Mandarin here's how you say all of the formal phrases yeah the problem for me is that um I watch a lot of historical dramas yeah, <laughs> so you, you have- it is the formal and so I'm also not using like not learning words that Will come up in everyday conversation so now I, rec- I know how to like recognize like your highness and your majesty <laughs> um, I don't think that's I don't think it's gonna be useful but that's pretty funny you know just casual you know your highness you know walking down the streets <laughs> yeah. it could be a good way to pick up guys I don't know <laughs> instead of fat calling or you can even just tell them how to like what to call you <laughs> yeah. um one thing that I noticed was interesting was for everyone who's learning Chinese, you are learning Mandarin, not Cantonese, or another dialect. Is there a reason behind that? Or I think generally, I mean, Mandarin is like the the big one. Um, even though Cantonese is the second one, Mandarin is the one that, like, when you go places, everyone really speaks that one, so it feels a little bit more accessible. And I've never actually seen like a Cantonese class too. As interesting as that, mm, yeah. That's that's actually true. I don't know. I've never met anyone that's like, yeah, my parents sent me to Cantonese school. Or maybe they have, and I'm just not remembering it right. But I've heard from my friends that speak Cantonese, like whose families also speak Cantonese. A lot of them say you can't, uh, not to discourage people from trying to learn, but a lot of them would agree that it's a language that you kind of have to be brought up with to, to, to learn because it's so complicated. Um, like my Cantonese speaking friends, some of them even like struggle to speak it to their like their families. Um, but in terms of uh, like what Maya's question was, like why did I personally learn Mandarin? Um, kind of like you were just saying, um, it, I think seventy percent of China speaks Mandarin. It's the national language now. Um, I always just assumed like for my biological family, uh probability wise I like to just think they speak Mandarin <laughs> I try to mm. uh, like there's so many dialects in China so I I don't really focus on those because I'm just like in my head I'm like I'm just hoping that they speak Mandarin because <laughs> like, ideally I would just learn whatever 
my biological family knows if I knew the answer. Mm-hmm. But because I don't know, I just kind of think, you know, Mandarin also is just really, <laughs> it's like so prevalent <laughs> that it's probably a good business move too. Um, yeah. And like what you guys are just saying, it's majority, um, like Mandarin is, is spoken by so many people that even abroad, like outside of China, that it's just like you might as well if everyone, that's the one that everyone else knows. That makes sense. My friend who grew up in China and came to America when she was like 10 or 11, she spoke Cantonese at home, but Mandarin is what they spoke at school and stuff. So she speaks both, but like there was that whole like Mandarin is what we're acknowledging to teach in and all that stuff. So that was something I thought was really interesting. Mm. Also, just to my ears who can't understand like Mandarin or Cantonese, Mandarin just sounds nicer. Cantonese is, it's, I feel like it's harsher on the ear. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, my ex-boyfriend's parents, they, he grew up speaking uh, Mandarin and Cantonese, but his parents only speak Cantonese to him, and then they speak Mandarin to his sister. Um, but just, like, listening to all the conversations that they have in Cantonese, it's my ears a little. Not in, not in like, a mean way. Yeah, they definitely, like, stress certain uh, yeah. letters in a different way. Um, and they also have, mm-hmm. like, I think nine tones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've got more. the four in the neutral, they have the eight in the neutral, and so I'm like, Double the tones, double the brain. Yeah. Props to you for speaking Cantonese because my brain is just wrapping around the four and the neutral. Oh, I don't speak Cantonese. Yeah. I mean, props to anybody listening who speaks Cantonese. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I, if I could, I would, but I can't. <laughs> but my most is I know a couple of swear words. <laughs> Everyone always asks for the swear words. I'm like, I don't, they're not going to teach me that in Mandarin 101. <laughs> they're not doing that. That does remind me, though, when I was in grade six, there was a student who came from Korea, and he didn't speak any English, but within, like, first week, he knew all the swear words. Priority. <laughs> yeah. So. What a baller, honestly. Yeah, so he could say, you're an idiot, but he couldn't say, oh, how are you? <laughs> I don't feel it's, like, being ridiculous, necessarily, because if someone says the swear words to you, you know that they're swearing at you. Yeah, that's true. That self-preservation kind of yeah (laughs) well i guess with spanish the biggest issue with me um and i think this is why you can't speak it fluently they say to be fluent in another language you cannot translate between the two you kind of just have to switch and i have to translate even if it's like a quarter of a millisecond like even saying hola in spanish like i don't just think hola i have to translate it super super quick to hello Mm. Um, so I think that's my issue. That's what I struggle with most in language is not to translate it back to English, even if it's super, super quick in your brain. Um, that's so interesting. Right. I just can't understand. Like, I think it's so cool when I meet someone who can speak multiple languages because I just cannot understand that switch that they do that where they just can like change to a different language and not think about the other language it's almost like the words in the other language becomes like the synonyms exactly yeah. and apparently when you speak fluently you're not supposed to do that at all you just pulled like a deep memory from the recess of my like middle school brain my spanish <laughs> teacher told me when i hear the word tree in spanish instead of thinking okay whatever that word is tree to tree to picturing a tree she immediately pictures a tree which like i never connected the two with what you just said but what you said now makes so much sense now yeah, yeah. it's the first time i heard someone explain it that way yeah 
It's definitely a complex idea, and I just can't grasp it. So um, I think that's honestly one of the leading reasons why I don't attempt to learn Mandarin, because I couldn't even successfully get over that hurdle with Spanish. And Spanish is one of the easiest languages besides all the, um, what is it called? The, like, gender pronouns and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I just have no chance with Mandarin. Mandarin doesn't even have gender. That's also, like, interesting. Yeah, so you would think it would be easier. Yeah, at least when you speak, you don't have that. Yeah. When you write, it's... I like the one, like, speaking that there's not... You don't have to, like, conjugate the verb or the adjective to go with the pronoun. It's like... Well, I mean, that goes into, like, a whole, like, topic on, like, sexism and certain words. <laughs> but um, I kind of like that. Yeah. Because I remember, like, when we were learning French in high school... There are some professions that on until recently only had the male conjugation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because French has like masculine and feminine, you know, it's mm-hmm. to everything, you know, like uh, objects too. Yeah. So are you guys fluent in any language aside from English? Sometimes I don't even feel fluent in English. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, really. <laughs> Sometimes I'll mess up and I'll say English is hard and people are like, is it your second language? And I'm like, oh, no, I'm just bad <laughs> at existing. <laughs> I wish I had that buffer. <laughs> yeah, no, just English for me. In America, do they teach you French? Um, or is, do you have a required language course? Because in Canada, we are required to take it up until grade nine. Yeah, but don't, don't, be, uh, just, <laughs> don't get the wrong impression because a lot of Canadians can't speak French. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's... <laughs> The quality of the French learning is questionable, especially if you're not in Ottawa. Yeah. At least for where I grew up. Um, so starting in, I think, sixth grade, so middle school for us, um, we did like an exploratory of the different classes that we could take starting in seventh grade. So you could either take French, Spanish, German, or take a study hall. Um, and that was kind of how, you know, the whole process went for language. It was an option that was there, but it wasn't. Mm. just kind of dumb i wish that america would be a little bit more embracing of you know it's important to learn other languages especially young because you know once you start developing that like picking up languages and learning it's it's so much easier to learn more Mm. so they say yeah i definitely agree that it's easier to learn when you're younger and i believe that um if you learn older you kind of have to have that language gene in you in some way (laughs) When you pick it up from a younger age, it's less likely that you'll have an uh, English accent. Mm. That's true, too. That's discouraging and trying to practice speaking a new language is the judgment you're going to get on your accent or pronunciation instead of hoping people are more prone to criticizing. Mm-hmm. For sure. And that's something I'm super aware of because, I mean, when I kind of have to speak Spanish at work, I mean, I can, to a certain extent, get that Spanish accent down, but I don't even want to try because I don't want to try and then still be criticized. So I just totally keep it like whitewashed Spanish with like a super white accent on it. Like I don't emphasize the accent as much as I could just because I guess I don't want to get criticized for putting all, putting like 100% effort into it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Something I always found interesting was um, when people try to learn English or like at least in North America, what I find is when people from outside of the continent come here and speak English, uh, it's like, oh, like that's kind of like your due diligence. You know, you're in 
what like you're either in like Canada or the, the states, and it's like you speak English, right? But then, and it's not really recognized that these people have either like taught themselves or you know they went through the process of learning another language, but they're still made fun of for their accents or you know made fun of for just not knowing English that well. But then a lot of people in North America who travel abroad, if they speak any any language even like minorly Mm -hmm. a lot of people abroad are like wow like it's very encouraging or yeah like that's great that you're learning and it's very impressive like there's so many instances where I see people travel to China who are not Chinese uh especially that's another whole whole discussion how like if you're not Chinese and you can speak Chinese it's like oh my god like that's amazing and people will flock over to you and they'll help you practice. And it's this super cool accomplishment that you're trying to, you're trying to do. But then if you're Chinese and you didn't grow up speaking Chinese, it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> why not? It's like catch up. You're behind. <laughs> yeah, catch up. If, if they don't know, obviously, like, especially for us, like being adopted and people don't know you weren't raised with that language in your home. It, it's just more of a, an initial reaction of, Oh, like you're just, you just didn't embrace your culture. But if you're not Chinese and you can do it, it's like, wow, that's really impressive. You're so smart kind of mm, thing. Definitely. Now that you mention it, it's really prevalent how people who don't speak English in the United States, when they try to, they get more made fun of and criticized versus people who speak English and go to other countries and attempt to speak their language. They're very supportive and get very excited and want to help. Yeah. And I think that's really sad considering most other countries are like monoethnicity. Like China is mostly Chinese. You don't really see Mexicans or African-Americans over there. Um, You know, the United States is supposed to thrive off of diversity. And, you know, it's known as the melting pot. Yet, especially now with the pandemic and stuff, I feel like it's not being supportive of those. Like it's very buy USA products, learn to speak English. it's just kind of contradictory to me. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. My city where I grew up as well, um, like I was saying way, way before, um, there's a lot of Chinese people. So in a lot of the stores, they in the malls, they actually write the signs in Chinese characters. Oh, cool. Because the, the population, it just, especially the older generations that have um, come like from China or Hong Kong or Taiwan, et cetera. Um, a lot of them actually, you know, they can't speak English at all and they can't read it either. So the stores have put those signs up, but then you have backlash from the rest of the community. Um, I remember in high school, like this, they started doing this a really long time ago, but, uh, I remember in high school, we, we take a, a civics class in grade 10, I think. And I remember a discussion that my class started having and, it actually made me upset with how little my teacher got involved because it actually got super, in my opinion, it got really out of hand. So a lot of the Caucasian students, they kind of started complaining, like, why is there Chinese, why are there Chinese characters in Walmart? And one of the students actually said, like, it really irks me. And it's like, and then they started complaining, like, how can like, like French is like the second language of Canada. Literally none of them know how to speak French. And I, I, in my head, I'm just sitting there with my other classmates who are also like Asian. Some of them weren't even Chinese and they were also just really quiet about this. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was just, it was like upsetting to hear how, like how looked down upon it was that, you know, this city that we live in is probably at this time in, uh, when I was back in high school, 
the population is, you know, like maybe 60% Chinese. Um, and it was like, if you live in that area where a lot of people can't speak English, it, it is like, like I can get it from their standpoint to feel like left out or like isolated in that way. But also I'm like, they're still English. It's not like they took away the English language, you know, like Chinese characters are not uh, dominating over English, that kind of thing. And then one of the students, I'm glad he said this, he he spoke up and he was like, you know, if I visited China, I'd appreciate to see a little bit of English too, like kind of defending the fact that Chinese people in our city that came from China, like could use a helping hand to get around here as well. So it was just a very awkward class. <laughs> and it was just like, it just sucks when you, you don't know a lot about your own or at least for me, like I didn't know a lot to to defend it or really speak up about it because I didn't know what to say. Good resources you'd recommend to people learning um, Mandarin, Finnish, and or do you have any general advice on how someone should go about learning the language? Um, I watch a lot of variety shows to like to learn Mandarin. Um, kind of like we were we're talking about with form formal language versus casual conversations. Um, sometimes I'll listen to songs and well, well, songs are kind of a bit more poetic sometimes, so it might be difficult, but for ones that are a bit more basic and slow, that's, that's helped me. And then just, uh, listening to maybe like Chinese celebrities or other, other people just kind of talking in casual conversation, as opposed to the formal lessons that we were discussing before it's helped, um, just to start recognizing how people kind of tend to like either merge certain words together or how like they drop certain parts of certain words out for like ease of conversation, mm-hmm. I guess, or like efficiency or whatever. So that's kind of some stuff that I've been doing. I would definitely agree, especially with just the music stuff. I do that a lot. Um, and like you said, even though it is a bit more on the poetic side of things, just hearing that, cause we're used to, you know, the idea of like tones and like changing our timber and pitch when we sing. And it actually, for me, it translated really well into my class. Um, one time we're studying one of the songs, um, um, but we would have to sing the song, but then my teacher also would pull up the lyrics and make us say the words. I'm going to be honest. I did not study the characters in that word, but like just from knowing <laughs> the song, I could say, oh yeah, I was like speaking the lyrics and apparently my tones, she was like, Amy, your tones sound great today. And I was like, yeah, what's <laughs> happening? Did I just really studied these tones and these characters, so it it helped me in a way that I didn't even expect it to. It was really cool. Yeah, um, I guess for other people trying to learn Chinese in songs, what I found is um, they actually drop the tones a lot. Like um, my friends, uh, who's my Cantonese speaking friends, when they hear music, they well, one of my friends he can't understand the song lyrics. Because there's no tones, or like, or it's like different, more difficult to under, like, to recognize them as opposed to when he listens to his parents talk. Mm-hmm. So it's like asking him, like, can you understand the lyrics? And he's like, I'm struggling right oh, now. Interesting. There's a study of textbooks or a series of them that I used when I was learning uh, in college, and I actually really enjoyed it. It's called um, Basic Spoken Chinese, and then Intermittent Spoken Chinese, and then there's the spinoff series, Basic Written Chinese. Um, I think that it's really comprehensive. It throws you into a lot of different scenarios. There are 
DDs that pair with the textbooks. And you can also buy like um, writing books to go along with it to do examples and practice writing and tones and all that. Um, and the CDs have people with different accents all over China, which I don't know. I think that that's a, at least for me, it's a really good place. And I still have the textbooks and I will try to go back and, you know, restudy them. It has cultural notes. So that if anybody's looking for a little bit more of a formal way to teach themselves, I would definitely recommend that series. Unsponsored. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to sponsor, you know. Listen, Cornelius C. Kubler, you, you trying to sponsor something? Because we out here. <laughs> Uh, there's also facebook groups so if anyone is not part of a subtle asian adoptee traits i highly recommend if you're an adoptee you should join it they they recently started an asian adoptee chinese language table and they do i think weekly zooms for Mm -hmm. uh, beginner intermediate and advanced so that's one resource that you guys can check out i personally haven't used it because i'm not confident enough in my chinese Mm-hmm. But one day, maybe I'll be able to join. Also, Harvard is, I don't know if you guys have heard, they're doing um, some free courses. They've made some of their courses mm-hmm. like online and they're for free. And one of them is the well, China X Book Club, Five Authors, Five Books, Five Views of China. This isn't specifically related to language, but if you wanted to learn like about culture, Chinese literature, might be a good course for you guys to look into and it's free unless you want a certificate that says you completed this course and it's like 99 (laughs) dollars oh then you can put on your resume that's true and also well laura can talk about this but she also has a youtube channel as i mentioned you want to talk about that yes i do uh, so my YouTube channel, uh, if you search it into YouTube, it's just my name, Laura, and then the letter E and the letter K. So Laura E K. Mm-hmm. Um, basically I just started it to, I guess, kind of do like ver- video journals of just thoughts I have about adoption, different topics, definitely all my opinions. I don't, like, I try to remind people in my videos, like I don't speak on behalf of everyone. It's just my per- personal perspectives and stories. And then I just have a couple of videos about different ways I'm learning Mandarin. And yeah, just kind of sharing those kind of stories. And anyone's welcome to like comment below or share anything that they want to share, ask questions. It's very new. Um, my channel is, it, I kind of strayed away from it for a little while, but I'm trying to get back into it now, mm-hmm. especially after finding, you know, communities with people like you guys. Um, definitely been very encouraging and more motivating for me to continue doing these kind of videos. So yeah, if you're interested, you can go ahead and check it out. Awesome. I love your thumbnails. I think they're so cute and so original. I just, I really like Oh my God, thanks. <laughs> That's actually so funny <laughs> um, because there just could be like a whole other topic for you guys if you ever want to do a podcast on this. But like the eyes I gave my little person... <laughs> They're so like big. <laughs> like there's a time where someone told me like when I was playing the Nintendo Wii way back when I was a kid, someone was like, Laura, like your eyes aren't that big. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I it's just funny that I in my thumbnails I have a little character of myself mm-hmm. that I use on all of them and the eyes are like they take up a huge portion of my <laughs> face if that <laughs> if you want to try to visualize that. But thank no. you. <laughs> The background is always Chinatown also. Like, <laughs> I like it. I like 
like a picture in Chinatown and use it in the background. Um, so do you guys have any final thoughts, comments, anything you want to add um, before we end this episode? I guess I would just say definitely thank you to you guys um talking about these topics um it's helpful for for me um especially because i didn't grow up really talking about being adopted with a lot of people despite having a community um of other adoptees to be able to talk to it wasn't something that i really was comfortable doing so i just want to you know again thank you guys and the other adoption communities out there that i've joined recently that help people do this kind of stuff because I would highly recommend it to anyone who's struggling or wants to feel like they are part of a community because it's it's helped me a lot with, you know, personal growth and just, I guess, more confidence. I definitely agree with that in terms of like joining communities. I totally agree, Maya, especially now with everything going on, our community is more important than ever, as they say. For sure. And I think that's like kind of, one of the fact good things about um quarantine and like COVID is that the Asian adoptee communities have really come together and like there's a lot more people joining and being active in them, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also happy um what is the official title? Asian Pacific Heritage Happy Asian American Pacific Islander Month. <laughs> I don't know what the official title is, <laughs> but it's our month. Go May. Yay. Oh good. That's something they don't teach us in here, or at least where I went to yeah. school. They didn't teach us like May is Asian History Month. Happy Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. There it is. <laughs> That's the official. Wait, because it says American. Does that mean it's not a Canadian thing? Um, I don't know if it's recognized in Canada, but I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna call it too. <laughs> but happy our month. We'll go with that. Yay! Yes. Um, I also wanted to thank uh, Mel because I was actually looking for an adoptee who was comfortable about talking about the fact that they don't want to learn uh, Mandarin. I feel like sometimes there's a bit of pressure and like judgment if you don't want to learn. And I'm really glad that she was able to come on and be comfortable speaking about that because I'm sure that there's lots of adoptees who also feel that pressure which they shouldn't. For sure. I definitely appreciate you guys allowing me to come on and speak on that perspective because I know it is kind of a struggle sometimes um, saying like I'm not interested whatsoever in learning my native language. Again, it's not that I'm not proud of my culture or anything, but I just want everyone to remember that your cultural journey is personal and there's no right or wrong. Um, don't let anyone make you feel bad for not being interested in a certain aspect of it or being interested in a certain aspect of it um, because it's your story and it's your past and it's your culture. So um, I just really stress confidence within yourself and to be true to yourself, um, especially in this world right now. It's not the easiest, but there's always support groups out there. Um, stay confident with yourself and true to yourself. And yeah, just choose your own journey, your own path. Because there's no right or wrong. Thank you, Mel. <laughs> yeah, it's a great um, way to end off today's episode. Um, so thank you, Laura and Mel, for joining us today. Uh, tune in next week for our fifth episode, where we will be discussing um, food, since everyone's doing their quarantine cooking right now. <laughs> <laughs> if you're interested in participating in one of these episodes, send us an email to adoptedpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, 
at adopted underscore podcast and stay connected with us. See you guys next week. week.